how should we think about gun violence and gun regulation? What value should we bring to the table and how do we think about it deeply and rightly? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, culture critic, opinionated ignoramus, and with me as always is my needlessly knowledgeable co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, person who strives to uh, live by the code of nonviolence, but does still get angry and mad. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm really, really, really mad. <laughs> there you go, there you go. That, that is not succinct, but accurate. Yeah, um, yeah. nonviolent, uh, angry person. Yes, <laughs> angry pacifist. Uh, yeah. There we go. Yes. Um, angry. What's what's the vegetarian version of pacifist? It's like mostly pacifist, but yeah, uh, mostly pacifist with some caveats. Yes, exactly. Well, today, uh, segue. We're talking about gun control and gun violence. Things people are historically incredibly good at discussing and listening to in a nuanced, thoughtful manner. Well, time to round up a mob. Why are we doing this? I know this we did this terrible whole, idea. We did this whole thing about how we don't talk about politics on our show. We, well, we just talk around them. This technically isn't politics, and that's we'll get to today. Technically, uh, the, it's highly politicized, unfortunately. Yes. So we we're hopefully going to try to dive into this issue that isn't in a partisan way, but just a logical. Yes, and we're we're not going to be hopefully partisan. theological. Yeah. Philosophical. We're hopefully not be partisan. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, first. Nathan, if people actually do get something out of this discussion and want to engage with more of our content and engage with fellow overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com or they can find out more about their hosts and send, a, send us all of their love and hate mail, which uh, we'll see if we get one or the other after this episode. Uh, you can also connect with other fellow overthinkers like yourself at our private Facebook group called The Overthinkers. We have over 10,000 people just like you talking about all the stuff we talk about on the podcast uh, getting to great discussions and posting lots of memes. So head over there and join the group. We would love to have you. And if you do enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really does help us so very much. Oh, and share with a friend, of course. Yes, please, please share. This really helps us out. We like um, having more people hearing what we have to say. And uh, those we who like to please... continue saying things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Power. Um, yes, exactly. That's the important thing. This is power. Um. <laughs> all right. So you ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay. Gun violence is rightfully one of the most emotionally charged and tragic conversation topics today in American politics. Several mass shootings, which are loosely defined as multiple gun-related homicide incidents, which four or more victims are murdered within one event and in one or more locations in close geographic proximity, particularly at schools with high school or elementary school students, have rocked Americans over the past multiple decades, including Columbine, Sandy Hook, Uvalde Elementary, each time a highly politicized mass shooting occurs, Americans reignite their debate about whether to pass new laws regulating guns. Proponents of gun control regulation argue for the effectiveness of such regulation preventing gun violence both in the states and in other parts of the developed world which don't have these same recurring mass shootings. Gun rights activists push back on these arguments, claiming that the link between gun regulation and lower homicide rates is false or at least exaggerated, and that primary private gun ownership is necessary to protect oneself from criminals before cops come and as a safeguard against tyranny. 
But these arguments almost always devolve into shouting matches rather than reasoned debates, with gun control advocates accusing gun right advocates of loving their guns more than they love children's lives, and gun rights advocates accusing gun control advocates as using these tragedies as a pretense for cynical power grab. Americans' views on guns in general are a mess of contradictions. According to Pew Research, the majority of Americans support some form of greater gun control, and almost half believe that gun violence is a huge problem in America. At the same time, Americans balk when it comes to specific proposals, and even general support for gun regulation has gone down, even as the number of mass shootings have gone up. More in 10 Americans live in home with a gun, 30% own a gun themselves, with self-defense given as the most popular reason why. Over half of all gun deaths are suicide, and the most politically popular forms of regulation supported are around restricting automatic weapons, even though those account for only 3% of all gun deaths and less than half of mass shootings. Nathan. What do you think we get wrong in our conversation around guns in America? What values or principles do you think we should start from? And how have those values and principles led you to the positions you hold on the topic? Um, interesting. Uh, th this is a highly emotional debate. And I, I totally understand why. Because on one side, you have people who believe um, in, in the right to own weapons and that if you you take that away, you're taking away rights, right? And that's an important thing. Freedom uh, and rights are, are what this country is founded on. And um, and I, I think that's a valuable thing. But on the other side, you have people who are saying, if we don't do anything, more children are going to die in, in mass shooting, more people, innocent people are going to be killed. And so you have um, very emotional uh, on the spectrum of, uh, of this debate, very emotional reasons as to why people hold the views they do on this. Yeah. What I think people get wrong to answer your specific question is, and, and I see both sides of this debate getting this very wrong daily, is that this is an easy um, hmm. solution. Hmm. That either just let everyone have guns and the good guys will always kill the bad guys and we don't ever have to worry if everyone had a gun. Or that if you just put a law through, you can ban every gun and there will never be a shooting or violence again and there will be no ramifications for that. So I, I yeah. think the first thing that people tend to get wrong is that this is an easy um the, the, there are simple answers to the questions being asked. Right. Uh, and so it, as far as how I've formulated my views on this, um, I'll, I actually will say I don't hold strong views because they're always changing. And, I'm, and sure. I think this is an important subject to allow new information in and to hold loosely so you can fully hmm. understand um, and not be just entrenched in this, uh, the, an ideological belief. Um, but I think it's, it's one that's... Uh, it's actually life or death. Uh, yeah. So I think it's an important one to really be careful and tread lightly before coming to really strong conclusions. So as far as my own personal beliefs, it's something that I I am um, I leave very open because I, I want to understand and I want to make sure that when it comes, it, this is an important issue that if I'm going to come down on the side of a, a belief that it's one that, that has a lot of data behind it, that has yeah. a lot of reading to it. Um, but to jump into the actual debate, should we have guns? Um, uh, should we all have guns? Should none of us have guns? You know, uh, all the different things. I guess where I start is, um, is, and I will make a statement. I think we should all, <laughs> I don't want to make a too sleeping statement. I think we should all hate guns. Hmm. And I know that's a little bit, and the reason I say that, and, and I mostly mean guns that are meant to kill other humans. Sure. I think whether you be a Christian or not, I think we should hate, um, that there has to be this tool that is used to kill other humans. It's used to take life. And I think whether or not it's right or wrong that we have guns, we should 
have a feeling about them of sadness that they have to exist, mm. of uh, regret that they have to be used um, ever. Uh, now, that doesn't necessarily answer the question whether they we should have them. Sure. I just think that going into this, we need, especially as, as I will speak to the Christians out here, that the people who who um, who believe in God and believe in a designed universe. I think one of the things I would say is if we believe in God and he's created humans in the image in his image and humans are made with intrinsic value, we do have to hate the things that destroy that um, that creation of God's, uh, that creation that he died for, that, that creation that he loved and designed and, and, um, and values. So I, I, so I start with that. I hate sure. that guns have to be used. I hate the guns, uh, what they're used for. So th that's where I start. But again, that doesn't answer the question of should we have them at all? Yeah. Um, and this is a really difficult one. You know, you look back in, in just in the 20th century and there is a point where you see that taking everyone's guns away is something that most of the most evil regimes, that was one of their first things they ever did, right? That the first thing they did was disarm their population. Um, and so the, I do think that there is a point to be made there that disarming everyone, um, making sure that the government is in full control and full power and that uh, the people don't have that, uh, that use of power um, I, I think we we have seen this played out in in a multitude of situations since the since the inception of the gun, and it's it's gone pretty badly. Um, yeah. You know, it's enabled the government to more easily take over and subjugate their citizens. Yeah, that it's lower. It's lowered the it's lowered the opportunity cost to going after the citizens. exactly. Yeah. Well, and and that's and that's the thing, the cost because the reality is, uh, and this where I'll speak. The other side is. If you think that everyone, all the, you know, uh, civilians having tons of guns is going to deter the government, should they decide uh, they're going to oppress you violently, um, then you haven't seen a documentary about drones and how they work. Sure. Um, you know, uh, owning a pistol or a handgun um, is not going to deter the government from uh, infringing upon your rights. Um, but again, so there, there's two sides of that. And I see the logic in both. I see right. that you should not disarm your citizens and only have power in one central place, but also that one central place really um, wouldn't have to do much work to oppress you. Sure. Um, so, you know, that goes back to let's have a, a government that wouldn't do that, but, you know, government change. So, um, yeah. So again, I, I haven't come down any, those are two good points and I think they're both valid. Um, and then, but I, I think the one we're really all talking about yeah. here. And the one that comes up is the one that happens after mass shootings, right? right. And a mass shooting isn't just a isn't just a, a wartime kind of violence. It's something that rocks our world because it happens in the places that we exist normally every day, and it takes the lives of completely innocent people. And there's one thing I think we do have to reckon with is it happens a lot here. It happens yeah. more so here than it does in other places. And there's lots of data to back this up. Right. And I did the research before I jumped on, unlike me. Um, and, you know, the United States does have a lot more shootings. Now, that doesn't mean I have a prescription on how to stop that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I think the prescription on how to lower mass shootings and um, gun violence uh, is probably a multifaceted mm -hmm. answer. I don't think it's an easy answer. Just take everyone's guns away. I don't know if that's even the right thing to do. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but I think there's a, it's a multifaceted answer. So I'm going to shut up and let you jump in here a little bit. But. The long answer, the short answer to your question is, I think this is a really multifaceted thing. I think we ought to 
dislike tools and instruments that kill humans and they were made to kill humans. But I think we also, um, there's also a point to be made um, about um, governments having too much power. So uh, it was too too much centralized uh, force. Yeah, power. yeah, yeah. So right. those are all things I'm kind of holding in tension as we have this, and then I'll move forward to a little more concrete. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I agree. No, I, I like, so there's a quote from, um, from uh, Faramir from Lord of the Rings, which is, you know, um, I, I don't love the, um, uh, what was it? The sword for its sharpness, the shield for its shine, or the arrow for its swiftness. I love only that which they defend. And yeah. there, there is a way where we can start, you know, loving tools that can commit violence. Um, and it's like, we, we, you know, like, you know, a Tarantino movie, we're kind of just talking about this. It's like, oh man, it's so cool when they shoot people and, and, uh, you know, and and all the blood splatters. And that's something we should always, as decent people, and certainly as Christians, we shouldn't ever go there. Um, we should start out with the value of like life is precious. And you know, I also, yeah, sort of thinking about like where I start this conversation from, I I ask um, you know, I think freedom is important. Um, and I think that a human life is sacred. I think those are two kind of um uh, central values I hold both because I am a Christian and because I'm also the uh, uh, the beneficiary of a society where freedom and the sanctity of life are so valued. You know, uh, yeah. Um, God, you know, he he obviously cares about freedom because he gave people free will to disobey him. You know, um, and he also, but also he was very specific about the ways we ought to treat one another and was very harsh is very harsh in what he, whether or not you believe in an actual hell or not, like he's very harsh in how he treats people who do not treat people with dignity. And so, and in fact, most of human history, both Christian and not, people have kind of strayed away from the giving people freedom because it's like, we want to have a just society where people aren't killing each other and where people are treating each other justly. And that's more important than having a free society. And it was only after like, you know, you know, hundreds of years of like Protestants and Catholics killing each other, we were kind of like, okay, maybe we should have a freer society where people have more room to choose their own uh, lives. And of course, the result of that has been greater life. I mean, you know, like in economic freedom and political freedom have, you know, and, and there's a large agreement on this, it is lowered childhood, child mortality across the globe, you know, yeah. um, for, you know, generations. And so like, we can see that like, Freedom does give life. And also on the other side of it, of course, you know, you'd still need a certain amount of protection of life for freedom to be exercised. I mean, you know, the, I think it was Voltaire who said, you know, the right to swing my fist stops at your face. And so it's like, you know, if somebody kills you, you can't exercise any of your freedoms. And if I die, yes, that's what killing you means. And, um, and we don't, we've always recognized that that's um it's not just like you know the the killing but creating conditions for killing that are problematic yeah. it's like it's not just illegal to crash a car into somebody it's illegal to drink and drive because you're creating irresponsible conditions you know yeah. um uh that are going to make it much more likely that you will kill someone and so but the best of our society, again, I'm the beneficiary of this, is why I appreciate so much, is where we try to hold those things in tension. And of course, you'll notice I didn't cite the Constitution here as a value we should keep, you know, in, <laughs> in, in tension. And that's not because I, I don't think the Constitution is important, but I think that we need to start from 
lower values and say, okay, if the constitution doesn't allow us to do something that's good, maybe the constitution should be changed or maybe it don't, but like the, the underlying principles are what we should kind of be talking about um, here. And yeah, again, I, when it comes to sort of gun debates, like where is that tension of like, okay, you know, how, how do we protect, you know, people's lives and uh, lives and freedoms together has been difficult for me too, because I, I go back and forth on this because again, I, I started out really strong one way and it became really strong the other way and have sort of kind of gone in the middle because I have really smart, no, really smart people who are a lot smarter than me. Let me say it this way. You think I'm arrogant about my intelligence, but these people are a lot smarter than me and can throw out a lot more stats and they think completely opposite things. Mm. And so, you know, but the, the thing that I kind of sort of, I, I go, go back to, I mean, like there's, there's a few things I can kind of, and maybe I'll, I'll say this other thing, but I'll say this, that because you also sort of brought up some of the things that go back and forth is that it's like, yeah, you know, I look at the data, you know, again, you know, we both, Nathan and I love looking at data and basing our, our opinions on that. I look at the data on this and you find that this, that in, that America has more gun violence than the other, you know, there's like okay, developed nations of the world so much more, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So there's some problem here that's not going on in the other places. And if it's not yes. guns, you got to answer like what, what that is. Um, yeah. It's not like we have worse mental health than other countries. It's not like we have like, okay, so what, what is it? And also, and this is the other thing, the states that have the strictest gun controls, generally, not all of them, but generally have the least gun violence. And you kind of have to kind of look at that. And there's nuances to that, of course, like, you know, Washington, D.C. has a lot of gun regulations and a lot of gun violence. And, you know, so, and Vermont has almost no gun regulations and no gun violence. So it doesn't work exactly but then of course you have like, you know, people, um, you know, what was it? As the person, you have gun activists who do like, like, uh, was it Leo Libresco who wrote, who worked for the 538, you know, um, uh, which is a, a gun data science and uh, gun um, control advocates organization. And they looked and they said, most of the laws that people are proposing for, um, for to solve gun violence wouldn't work. You know, it, it, like a full scale gun bans work, all these things. Part of it is because, you know, the places like Europe, like they didn't really have much gun violence before they started these things, you know. Yeah. Um, and some places like the UK, they have fewer gun deaths, but they have more murders <laughs> than we do because those murders are being carried out by knives and people supposedly maybe don't have guns to defend themselves. But then people are saying, like you said, there's the good guy with the gun thing where it's like, Oh, like people need to defend themselves from other people. It's like, okay, but there's not a lot of data that there's actually a lot of people using guns that way, successfully defending themselves against the gun violence that way. There's just not a lot of data. Now, some people, gun rights activists claim, and maybe they're right, that it doesn't um what you call it? Uh that deterrent. That 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 well, that's a deterrent. Yes, they argue it's a deterrent, and they also argue that people don't tend to report those things like because again if you say you use your gun in self-defense the police are still going to investigate you and of course if somebody comes into a hospital with a gunshot wound they're not going to say that they were just trying to rob a place but we just don't have that data we do so so all to say is what i've found is it's a very confusing thing and so the people who kind of look at this and say this is very simple and the people on the other side again it's like like i said at the beginning the, it's like the people on the other side either don't care about children or they want to control us. It's probably not true. Cause again, I look at the people who yeah. are, who want to take care of their guns and they, they really do believe 
the best way to protect for me to protect my children is for me to have a gun to defend myself if necessary you know and the bet and the people who are who who on the other side are not trying to control you maybe some of them are but most of them are like we don't want our children in schools to die and yeah and there's enough data on either side that's complicated that people can grab onto it to validate where they're coming from initially yeah i i grew up in colorado and unfortunately colorado has become known as a uh, for some of the most um famous i'd say mass shootings yeah. uh just a few years ago we had the aurora um mass shooting which has um happened up the street from where i uh, i live up the up the highway uh obviously we've all heard about columbine yeah. and then interestingly enough more far more personal i experienced um i i went to new life church when i was a a youth and i remember one morning uh, after service going to lunch and my friend asked me, are you safe? And it turns out there was a shooter um, and, and multiple people were killed on the, on our campus the morning I had been at church and, and uh, it was a terrible, terrible thing. And that was an instance in which a private security guard um, with a, a legally owned gun was able to stop the shooter. And so there, that was an instance in which we were happy that a good guy had a gun and um but that doesn't stop the question of how did the bad guy get the gun? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think you have, which is, this is a perfect example of, um, I'd say both people could use this for their argument. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard. It, it's so difficult to try to, as you said, Joseph, take all these different values and uh, hold them in tension so that they're all honored the, both that we are free. Um, we are free people. And at the same time, we are safe. Uh, yeah. from each other how do you how do you live in a society where those things are both valued equally and it looks like that some people are willing to give up um one of those values for the other yeah um and i think that's where that's the rub right it's basically kind of a point where everyone believes that you have to give up one thing to have the other and yeah. you know we, we see this play out in in uh, captain america uh, not captain oh. america uh, civil war uh, yeah well it was captain america civil war it was his movie yeah, yeah thank you thank you um, and so this is something that I, I think is is a very difficult and long conversation that the, this country has been having because it's a difficult conversation. If there wasn't an easy, easy answer, we would have found one. Yeah. Um, so there is a tension to be found here. And I think the problem the answer will never will never make everyone happy and will yeah. never make everything perfect. You know, it, one thing we have to remember, I think, is unique about the United States is, it, you know, it's really the last major country to have been developed. Um, previously, mm -hmm. you know, in throughout Europe, yeah. throughout um, Asia, all these countries were developed with swords. Uh, mm. We had guns upon stepping foot yeah. into America. We, we stepped foot into America with guns. And so if people want to know why guns are so prevalent here, it's not necessarily just because um, we have more lax laws. It's because there is a culture created. Sure. It, th this country was founded essentially on people being able to defend themselves and right. defend their land with guns. Watch a Western movie, you know? Right. Um, people had to have a gun on their house in case of whatever X, Y, Z. The pioneers, the frontier people. Right. Um, so th this country was founded at a different time and it was founded on people utilizing these tools to protect their own freedom and, uh, and, and to establish this nation. Now the question becomes, do we still need 
that sure. kind of protection? Are we living in the Wild West where all of us should be strapped as we go to McDonald's in the morning? Sure. Um, and, and that's a, a valid question. Have we moved beyond the need uh, for that? The frontier town, the lawman, the gunslinger, there's just no place for them anymore. We're civilized now. That's right. Civilized. <laughs> now, I think another part of this, too, is typically when we talk about the United States, we talk about it as this monolithic place. People yeah. forget how big this country is. Yeah. I live in LA and Joseph lives in New York. These are major metropolitan cities. Yeah. I don't need a gun here. Yeah. If I call the police, they will be here within three seconds. There it is. In yeah. fact, they are down the street. So we live yeah. in ma major metropolitan. I, I, I trip over them when I go to the sub into the subway, you know. Exactly. And so, so I, I think there's a valid case to be made for you don't need a gun in Los Angeles. Uh, you you don't need especially in Burbank. You and what are you going to do? Start shooting uh, every that that's you know. So there is a there is a um, right. logic to be made that we don't we don't need that. A while ago in New York, uh, my wife and I, um, and this is a whole different one about crime and yep. stuff. But my wife and I were accosted by a um, a man looking to fight, and uh, she called the police while I I held him off. I think I told the story already on on the, but with it was instantaneous yeah. that the nypd was there and and thank god they were around the corner and they took care of the issue no one had to get in a fight no one got hurt not even the man who was accosting us i didn't need a gun to shoot him uh with not that it would have been right even if i uh, even if i sure. had um so in, again back to the what i'm uh, trying to get at is that america isn't one monolithic country it's basically 50 little countries that have entirely different ecosystems of living everywhere you go Yet I used to live on a ranch in Texas yeah. when I was growing up, right? The police were probably about an hour away at any given time. We were in the middle of nowhere, 200 acre ranch. Um, and there were coyotes. There were, even if someone had, had come by there, that makes sense that you might need a, a yeah. weapon, even just to kill a, a, I don't know, a raccoon, if you need yeah. to protect, whatever it might be. That, those are totally different. Me living here in Burbank yeah. is a different thing than me having lived on a ranch. And so when we try to apply these grand, um, easy answers, you're, you're applying them to, to places that need specific answers, not universal, easy well, ones. Well, th this is really, this is really a key. And I think one, one of the things you look at the data, of course, is of course this, the questions about guns fall under partisan lines, obviously. But one of the biggest dividing lines is, you know, do you live in a, uh, metropolitan or a um, a rural area, yeah. and that's that that's is the reality. Like you said, like you know, if you're in a city, the cops get there a lot quicker, and if you live in uh, the rural areas, the cops are not going to get there very quick. And, and so the same gun laws probably won't be effective for both sets of people. Right, exactly, and and the 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 difficult, and this is sort of, and again, there's. <clears throat> sort of a hip hypocrisy kind of that goes around sort of on both sides of this because also a lot of the people who are gun control advocates you know they you know they 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 two two things one they have their own private security a lot of them are wealthy enough to have private security in gated communities yes. you know and a lot of them also will say things about how we need to defund the police and and so there's a certain degree of you no know, there's one you know who's a um uh, liberal commentator Matthew Iglesias, he basically says, like, look, if we're going to be, you know, pro gun control, we also have to be very pro, you know, uh, e expanding the police force to make them more available. 
to more people so that they can be safe. One of the things that happened during 2020 was when there were a lot of protests, gun sales went skyrocketing because people had rightly or wrongly a perception that the police weren't going to come and protect me in my home and my business, you know, so I've got to do it myself. Mm. And, you know, and there's this kind of idea that, you know, you know, one of the things again with, with sort of gun control uh, advocacy is they will often say like, you know, the, the people who are gun rights advocates, they love and are fetishizing guns. They love their guns. Like, but of course they don't want to get rid of guns. They just only want, like you said, the government to have a monopoly on them. You know, they're going to enforce their gun laws with guns, you know, so there isn't a side that's anti-gun, really. It's just, is it going to be in private hands or going to be public hands? On the other hand, you know, again, the gun rights activists will be like, okay, these guys, they just want power and control, you know, and they're not actually not actually caring about this. Um, But they they also are wanting power and control. They're wanting the power and control of being able to protect themselves and not outsourcing their protection elsewhere, even to people who are more qualified for it, maybe. Because again, even though it's kind of murky about how often the, um, you know, guns are used to protect people individually, there's a lot of data that says that guns being, you know, on, uh, uh, that guns are used probably far more often, you know, you're, you're more likely if you have a gun in your house for someone to get hurt accidentally far more likely yeah far again even if you say maybe there's some more that's not being captured in the data with self-defense so your desire for control is over your own safety is mathematically probably going to bite you in a certain way and so yes you don't want a higher likelihood it will you know studies show that keeping a ladder inside the house is more dangerous than a loaded gun that's why i own 10 guns in case some maniac tries to sneak in a ladder. Yes, there's a higher likelihood it will. And so um, and so I, I think that that's people people are really um, and again, like there are certain things where like there are, you know, there may be places where it's reasonable to say maybe this law could be changed slightly or maybe that law could be changed slightly at the very least that people could try to come together on. But it is so much of a political football. It's like you gain power. This is sort of one of the things Alexander Solzhenitsyn talked about in, you know, happening in communism is that, you know, you gain power by seeming to be the most extreme in defending your position. Um, mm-hmm. And rat because it's like, oh, well, I've got to be the most communist communist because then nobody will suspect that I'm a traitor. And so you have, Interesting. you know, gun control advocates being like, I can't, show nuance because then i will be attacked by somebody on my left that says um he's wishy-washy and same with you know a gun rights activist it's like i can't even like support maybe as a, a small minor tailored you know uh law that might stop this specific thing because then i'll seem like i'm wishy-washy on guns yeah so there's so i want to move into the kind of the, the more philosophical and theological because yes. we're, we're we're attacking the the practical right now and and i'll um, and but it's I, and not, I, that's I, not the area of our expertise. So yeah, well, and, it, and it's really tough. And but I think the what we have figured out and exploring a lot of this, there is no easy answer. You know, there's even the more the nuance of okay, we say gun as a yeah. monolithic term. It's like, well, what kind of guns? A grenade launcher gun or a you know pistol? And it's like there's a good case to be made that someone who lives rurally and feeds their family off of hunting should own a bolt action rifle, and that should be okay. But there's also a good case to be made to, for, hey, you live in the middle of New York City. Do you need an 
an assault rifle right. uh, yeah. to go yeah. to. And so there are extremes here yes. and, and nuances that we will never be able to get to all of. Um, but I, I hope that as we move into this next section, that some of this, that there is so many nuances and so many moving parts to this, this um, debate. But I hope even if we can't get to all of those or even if we don't even understand all of those and there's all these different sides, I want to move to where I kind of stand sure. that make, that puts all of that into perspective. And, and I mentioned it earlier when I talked about, I think that we should philosophically and emotionally uh, dislike guns and the, especially the guns created to take life, human life. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they're not necessary. I'm glad that we fought the Nazis and won. Mm -hmm. And I know that we had to do that in a particular way. I'm a proponent. You have, we had to, you have to confront evil. Um, and sometimes you have to do that with deadly force. And so I totally understand, but I still think you talk to some of these veterans who had to use guns and it left an, uh, to protect freedom and it left a, an eternal mark yeah. on their psyches and they had depression and they, yeah. and they didn't, they don't glorify it uh, the way. And I, and what I do worry about sometimes is the glorification of guns. Sure. By the way, I see this not just from uh, the Christian conservatives. I also see this from Hollywood, which is oh, really yes. interesting um, that you have Hollywood over here lecturing people and telling them that they need to give up their guns and guns are evil. And then making billions, literal billions of dollars off of movies centered around uh, vigilante justice carried out through guns. And so well, I think this is Spencer talked about this. He talked about making violence sexy. As he yes, exactly. And, and so that there, that's an interesting thing, but I think that both sides need to start to reckon with their love of guns. I've met many young men, young men. in my, um, I've, I've done a lot of work, um, my book, good man and, and study, study work on young men. Young men. And, um, you can even look at the psychology of what happens to a young man's brain when he holds a gun. Hmm. It, it's really interesting. Go and go and look that up. But um, I've done a, a lot of re research into this. But just anecdotally, I've known many young men yeah. um, who seem to glorify and worship guns because it gives them some sort of power in their yeah. mind uh, because they aren't feeling empowered elsewhere in their lives. Yes. And I think that's a really dangerous thing to do if we come out on the side, okay, some people should have guns occasionally. That's okay. Maybe that that's what we'll come to, but I am worried about the glorification of worship of them. Yeah. Um, they, these are not things to be loved and celebrated. These are things if we need them to only be used as tools for protection of freedom uh, and self. Yeah. But I, I, I want to move even more into the theological sure. here and, and speak as a Christian. I know that not everyone lis who listens to us um, is a Christian, but I hope you'll track with us for a little bit. To me, it's, pretty hard to get around it's pretty hard for me to reconcile what has become very synonymous with uh, christianity which is uh gun rights for whatever reason with the messaging of jesus and, and i'm sorry I'm, I'm not a political extremist um in any way i'm not trying to call anyone out but it is interesting to me when i see um when i see a group of people who who supposedly follow jesus advocate and even celebrate um guns uh while at the same time going to church on Sunday, reading the same Bible I do, it's the same Bible where Jesus said, um, turn your other cheek. And I know that seems a little uh, kitschy, but that is kind of a foundational message that Jesus came to teach, that we are not violent. We are not the ones who go after revenge. There's plenty of verses on revenge. There's oh, plenty yeah. of verses on anger. We are not people who cause violence. If you look at the early church and when they were being oppressed violently by the state, by Rome, um, it there there was no... Uh, uh, 
there's no idea in any of the leaders' heads to go about fighting them uh, and they're, and to go uh, violently and to, uh, quote, defend themselves with swords or whatever it might be. Um, there was an understanding that we are people of peace. We are people of um, uh, uh, of nonviolence, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, be, and, and there's all sorts of theological reasons as to why that is. Um, but I don't see the idea of... Um, violence ever being a good thing reflected in the New Testament scripture. And I think, in fact, conversely, I think what you do see is very often um, then the verse that comes to mind is live by the sword, die by the sword. It's it's a command we have to be peaceful. It's a command we have to choose the less violent route. Um, and I think that is the Christian ethic that I see reflected in the teachings of the New Testament, especially particularly Jesus. And so I think when it comes to the theological understanding about this debate, we have to be consistent across the board when we're thinking about tools and weapons of death. And that's what they are. And I think um, we have to be consistent and say, if we are Christians, our ethic tells us that humans are valuable and that we cannot um, worship, obsess, or even, um, how do I say it, uh, venerate things that destroy the creation of God in God's image that, that in which he put his image. And so, and, and I understand all the, the, the arguments and the um, left and right and up and down. Um, but at the, at the heart of it for me, it's, I am called to value life mm -hmm. no matter what across the board. Um, and that leads my thinking and how I approach this subject. That doesn't mean it's an easy answer. Maybe sometimes like in the case of world war two, we had, to value life, we had to fight back. But overall, I think what I'm what I do worry about is the glorification of violence and weapons that cause violence. And I see it on both the left and the right. But especially, I'm talking to Christians here. Sure. If we're going to be Christians, we we cannot be people obsessed with instruments of death. Yeah. So let me say this interesting, an interesting question on this. To you, what would be a picture? What would it look like for a Christian um, to uh, a Christian or a good person in general, you know, for people who are not, but since, you know, you're specifically talking about Christians, but uh, to be a supporter, let's say, because they've looked at the data and it seems that the best way to protect life and freedom is by having, you know, a greater degree of, of gun rights, you know, um, what would it look like? Um, for that kind of person to have that um, defense of that political view um, without glorifying guns. Um, uh, well, it's, you know, yeah, so what would that look like, do you think? Well, I'm, I guess I'm speaking a little bit of an emotional perspective, which is oh. even if there was a defense of someone who- No, no, I, I mean, but I mean, like, how would they behave? How would they kind of talk? How yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what that's what I mean. I, I think it's it's a it's a behavioral issue, even if there is someone who needs and can show data as to why they should have a gun. Um, it, it's the how they speak about it, think about it, and talk hmm. about it. Um, many of the people I know who who are and Christians, I mean, who are very pro-gun, they're they are almost itching for someone to break into their house. Sure. Um, they they spend tens of thousands of dollars on new guns all the time. And, it, and to me, it's very often goes back to this um, kind of a central uh, reaffirmation of their masculinity that sure. they feel insecure of. 
And so it'd be looked to look at it practically, not emotionally. I think that's an emotional reason to have guns is to want it to prove something to yourself or because you need to get anger out. But if someone needs to have guns, it's a very serious issue and it's something to take seriously. It's in the same way we do when we approach cars. And, and, to me, that seems um, like another a, thing a, people buy in order to express their need for power. And exactly. Yes. And when people use it incorrectly, it kills people and takes lives. Yeah. And so the we have instituted a lot of laws around who can drive and own a car based on who we believe in the society to um, show that they are responsible yeah. enough to not take lives with it. And so I, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say um that there should there should be some sort of litmus test as to who we allow to have instruments that can sure. take life sure yeah no and and you know again i had one friend who has had had a fun kind of view where he says i think that when you become you know 18 everybody should have should everyone should get like what was it no it was like when when everyone should get 18 you should get their um, government issued handgun and their like two years of training on how to use it like every that's that's you know <laughs> and, and so I, I think, you know, I think it's very interesting. I think that that's, I think you're right. I think, and I, I think that every individual person, everybody I know who's a gun rights activist, you know, would hear what you say and say, absolutely. That's what I believe intellectually. You know, there's like that guns are not good. You know, it's like the Faramir quote, guns are not good because killing people is good. It's because that is very often the only way to protect life. But they say that intellectually, but, you know, and again, most of the people I know are, you know, not, you know, I don't think idolize guns, but, but for people who do, it's like, it's, they are, you know, not doing it because it's intellectual. They're doing it because like you said, they're trying to gain a certain power that they don't have in their lives. And yeah. so the response to this is to kind of be like, okay, if you, again, if you are need a car, like a really a, like a, a huge car or a fancy car or whatever that in order to feel like you're powerful or if you need a gun is like to feel like you're powerful not just to protect yourself because it's necessary but to feel cool and feel powerful i think that we have to talk think about are there other ways to explore feeling that way um yeah. that are that are more healthy to use as your primary mechanism i will talk again personally again i I, when I have been depressed, you know, when I've been depressed and felt insecure and down on myself, very few things, and, you know, I, I, being very honest here, very few things make me feel better about myself than watching a Michael Bay or a John Wick film. Like, yeah. I suddenly feel powerful, you know, and mm. I don't feel weak and small and like the world is too strong and and uh, for me when I watch those films. And there's not a lot of films like... The, the, there aren't a lot of films other than those really, you know, you know, violent, big explosions kind of movies that can make me feel, you know, powerful and not scared and small so in you're, that way. You're asking people to use a little introspection. Aside yes. from the gun debate, even if you need one, investigate your motivation yes. for wanting one. Is it about control? Is it right. about proving and something? Is it about this, the things is, when I have done more things that scared me, I have been able to get rid of that um, that feeling of smallness. And so one of the things that I would suggest to people who, if, you know, if they are doing this for that reason, do introspection, if you're doing this for that reason, do a lot of, start doing a lot of things that scare you because then 
um, that might be a way for you to need guns or need cars or whatever less for that reason. Um, and and find and, places where yeah. you where you practice. Yes. Um, one uh, proving yourself and and feeling, but find yes. spaces and and places where you can feel um, confident and strong outside of needing to have bring a deadly weapon into your right. house. Because then, even if you have the deadly weapon, you'll be more likely to use it rightly and not for the purpose of proving something. Yeah, I think that's a really good kind of psychological um, prompt that I give to people, even even who who even might have great arguments as to why we yeah. should have guns, um, and it, which is investigate your motivations for um, loving them, talk about them, wanting, wanting yeah. them. What, what does it do to you? Why do you, you think this? Because yeah. we all have mixed um, motivations that can corrupt our our thinking about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And but I, I also would encourage people to be more nuanced on this. And I yeah. encourage people to see that that um, that there are no easy answers. You know, I, I heard recently a podcast I was listening to just in preparation for this. And someone literally said, well, bad guys are always going to get guns. So we should just make basically everyone should get a gun very easily. But I think there's a value to saying maybe that's true. Maybe bad guys will always find a way to get guns. But could we? at least keep a few out of a few bad guys hands that might save a few lives. And I do think there's something we have to reckon with, with there is a lot of gun violence in this country. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, we can't ignore that and just keep on saying, well, you, you know, I'll just try to take my guns. Um, I, I think there's something we actually have to reckon with. And I'm not saying that that looks like a particular political point of view or an all out ban, but I do think it's something we have to look at, especially when Joseph, you mentioned earlier, the data that's saying that most people want at least some form more of uh, yeah. looking into how to solve this problem that does affect us. It seems on a weekly basis. Look at the statistics of what's going on. I think this is important. And I think for people to live healthily in a society um, where they feel the people need to feel safe. And I think the right now, when we see so many shootings happening at places that are normal, like schools and malls, yeah. it's going to be harder for people to feel safe and more people are going to be on edge, which will create more violence and more anger and more accidents. Yeah. And so what can we do to make this a better world, a more a safer world? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, philosophically, one where all of us, aside from the laws, need less guns. Mm -hmm. Um have less of a need to, you know, if you gave me a choice between um, having a gun so I can defend myself or living in a, in a society in which people were so were more psychologically adjusted, so they don't need to defend themselves, I would choose the one where I didn't have to right, have yes. a gun every <laughs> single time. And but that goes back to, hey, let's stop being lenient um, on 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 violence too. Yeah. You know, there's there a lot of moving pieces to this. Yeah, yeah. That I think both sides can really take a look at of this debate. Um, and that I don't think it's doing, I don't think it's stopping any of the violence to have um, unnuanced, easy answers that yeah. are that refuse to engage with um, different points of view. I think if there's going to be something that helps this issue and that helps less lives be lost, it's going to be people looking at this objectively and being willing to enter the conversation rather than just um, obstinately standing their ground until they get yeah. what they want. If you want to make the world I so agree. yeah, I, I think I think um, the people who it, it get rid of the idea that the reason that half of the country disagrees with you is because they're stupid and evil. Yes, <laughs> it's complicated. The reason we haven't, and I, I loved what you said. If it was simple, we would have solved it already. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
and and um and there is a prevailing political and cultural myth at least in america but it seems pretty prevalent which is that the reason that these very simple problems are not getting solved is because the people over there are stupid and evil and that's just simply so get rid of that because one of the things that will do is it will give you the ability to go into a discussion and have be open to have your mind changed and be open to say oh like maybe you know um the people who are sort of generally on my side of the political spectrum um might have a little bit wrong on this issue that i can change my mind on and that doesn't make you a that's the thing is if you think that the people on the other side are stupid and evil then if you change your mind you're afraid of becoming stupid and evil yourself and you need to give yourself the freedom to be able to change your mind on this and have it be based on the actual data that's available i don't need you to love me i love me but i want you to know you could know me if you change your mind um i also say that be okay with um uh with experimentation um small scale experimentation about trying things and seeing what works um uh because you know again we may not be able to pass like you know giant legislation that solves all the things but it's like oh maybe incremental changes is a, a possibility and would be a good thing um and then like i said investigate the reasons you believe what you believe and what you love what you love um so that you're coming at this actually coming at this from the um uh from the view uh that um that that you're actually trying to protect what's valuable which is people's freedoms and their lives um yeah well, that's the love thy neighbor which yes. is to love your neighbor you have to do what you can so they don't get hurt and you also have to do what you can so they remain free yeah and those are two difficult things really really difficult things to uh reconcile but they're both they're they're both wrapped up in loving your neighbor yeah and yeah. it's hard and so Man. they're in the it all comes back yeah. to Jesus. He got a lot right, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. But uh, again, I just want to say this is a hot button issue. Um, we are very open to being wrong on oh, yeah. this. And we were and the reason you didn't hear us make a lot of grand statements today is because this is a hot button yeah. issue that is really nuanced. And we hope we convey that. But let, let's all think a little more deeply about this. Be open to new data. Be open to different ways of thinking. And maybe we can get something done that will end up. Yeah. keeping more people alive and that's the thing is again it's even if you don't if you don't think this will be a solution suggest another solution and work towards a solution because that's a making things better is a good thing um so don't use this won't work as an excuse to not work towards something working so yeah no yeah that sounds sounds really good um uh yeah i know this i'll say also this is a place where we welcome you throwing us more stats, more data, more information, things that we missed and didn't cover views, and got wrong, yeah. send it our way because that will just help us know more and learn more. Um, and I'm set, certainly a lot of the things we talked about, I'm putting them in the show notes down below. So feel free to investigate the stuff that we're talking about so that you can learn more and become more educated in your views as well. Um, so yeah, we're very excited about that. But now, of course, we are on to our very popular segment with some people uh definitely us uh is the blesses and curses where we take a work of art media or resource on our topic and we bless and bless it that is recommended or curse it ban it 
<laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> um, so uh, Nathan, uh, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, well, <laughs> we're blessing the same movie. Oh, that's right. We are blessing um, the same I think movie. I watched I watched on a plane and told you to watch it. One, because it's a brilliant uh, uh, example of how to do an entire movie in one room. Yes. Um, with a few characters. And I'm really into that being a poor filmmaker uh, <laughs> and making compelling stories for no money. Um, but it's, it's a movie called Mass. And it's essentially um, the parents of it's two sets of parents who are sitting down in a the basement of a church that has hosted them. Um, and one set of parents had a kid die in a school shooting. And the other set of parents were the parents of the shooter. And oh, boy, they're there. What a what a setup. I mean, goodness gracious. Talk about tension. Um, but it handles this tension very beautifully, I think. And it handles it fairly. It doesn't try to preach at you on one side or the other. It asks the questions that need to be asked. And it explores the themes in a really, um, how do I say, honest way that doesn't necessarily provide you with all the easy answers that most of the outlets and magazines and conversations are talking about today. And I think that's, and I thought it was a beautiful example of just how many things, um, different moving pieces, I'll say again, moving pieces there are to this, but it also shows the real underneath it, the humanity of people. And I thought that was a beautiful thing um, because this debate, we can forget um, that this is something affecting humans. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes down to legislation or ideas or abstract concepts. And I think this is, this brought it back down to a very human level and it was brilliantly acted and performed. So right. I, I really, I'm on this topic, this is the yeah. one to watch. Yeah, I'm such a huge fan of Oscar Isaac. I'm always looking for like, wh where's, a, where's a role that's actually going to give him, uh, not Oscar Isaac, Jason Isaac, excuse me. Um, I'm a fan of Oscar Isaac too, but Jason Yeah, he's Isaac. pretty good too. <laughs> yes, but Jason Isaacs. I love him in Death of Stalin. I love him in this. Give me, and and they, it, I, 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 everything you said is spot on. Again, it's it's hard to find movies that deal with important topics like this and deal with them well in a way yeah. that is honest and artistic, artistically compelling and is respectful of the issues at play. Doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but also doesn't pretend um, uh, that you can't wrestle with them and come to uh, yeah. some kind of uh, make, make some kind of progress on them. Um, and I'll also say again, it, the underlying aspect that even regardless of anything else, um, reconciliation and healing and growth should be our agenda. It's a good and beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, it's like, well, it's like, even if we're all disagreeing on what the politics of legislation should be, we all agree on that, that repairing what's broken the best way we can has to be something we're doing in the meantime. And it's a beautiful picture of that. So yes. Uh, I love that. So we're both blessed that it's the only one we both could think of that's actually like a good representative yeah. of this, you know, of this. And, and an issue. honest one, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. an honest and human one. Yeah. Um, I yeah, so I so that was a fantastic movie. I'm going to curse. Wait, what was I going to curse? Oh, it, you may have mentioned crank. <laughs> that's right, crank. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but mostly I'm cursing the image of this movie where it's, it's like. Um, you can't, and this is, hey, Hollywood, you can't talk about the evils of guns, which, listen, I'm here for. I want to I want to hear these conversations, but no one's going to take you seriously, seriously if you turn around 
and then produce movies and go guns are bad and you turn around and produce movies that make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that you put in your pockets which are about guys with guns just shooting everything and everyone well again it's, I, especially it's like it's vigilante guns the exact kind of use of guns that you say you don't like <laughs> yeah so it, it your your message is going to get lost if if you are correct it is going to not be taken seriously um and i do think there's also I, I know there's not a ton of data to be shown um, about uh, the, the link between watching violent sure. movies and someone behaving violently. But I, I do think that there is something to the uh, the argument, let's say, of creating a, a context and a culture of violence when we um, get immune to watching people being killed over and over and over again. Uh, and, and I don't mean in the case of like a, a movie where you watch someone justly in a war, do whatever. I'm talking about um, where we just get used to watching people get mowed down. I think there right. is some unhealth there and, and it, it, there's a dehumanizing factor well, that we need to be aware of when we watch these movies. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give a I'll give this is the kind of case I've made about this just to kind of give an example to your point, which is that like I love the movie Django Unchained. You know, I think it's a yeah. great movie until, until the last like 15 minutes of it. Because up until then, Django is like trying to save his wife and he's doing whatever he can to save his wife. It's like, okay, yes, he's trying to save a life and a life that's important to him. And so he's doing violence for that sake. But then at the very end, he gets to save his wife and then he goes back and just tortures the living daylights out of the people that he hates just for the sake of the bloodlust. And it's, it's cathartic violence. Yes. And there is something, again, like the, the data does not seem to be there that people watching violence are likely to become more violent. But I think that we can all agree that if we shift the values of society to say, this is what a hero looks like, we are, certain, good. Yeah. We are certainly more likely to be lenient on that behavior of others. You know, yeah. again, it's not a coincidence that Americans have become more accepting of bad behavior in their politicians after decades of our movies saying all politicians are like this there's nothing you can do about it you know yeah. when you shift the values of society to say that's you know this is normal and this is fine and this is okay people are going to be more accepting of that in others even if they don't do it in ourselves so yes i mean that's just an example to say 100 agree with you on that does this mean we can't like john wick anymore though well <laughs> believe me <laughs> i did had... kill his dog Believe me, I have had so many like internal conversations about that with myself. <laughs> so I guess you have a choice. Although interestingly enough, the fourth one has an interesting spin on that. So we can have a conversation oh, on, interesting. On, on that. It basically has a nihilistic view of ultimately the results of of, of violence, which is fascinating. Um, hmm. It may get lost yeah, in now. It may Find get lost in the... How, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and make it lost in how cool the violence all is. But uh, but uh, they say, oh, so I, I will, so I will send my my curse. I'm going to curse something that's going to get some people mad at me, but I'm going to explain why you shouldn't be mad at me for it. Um, but it's um, I'm going to kind of going to curse actually Captain America Civil War very briefly because you mentioned that, and that I think is one of the movies that best exemplifies how not to talk about politics in movies because they basically just make. You know, they don't give good arguments for either side. They basically just kind of, you know, give Captain America the only good arguments and then just say, oh, Tony is just being an awful person for this. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like this, like 
the the level of political debate in movies has gone down to justify just seeing the other side as evil and that there isn't possible to have you know nuance on both sides it's to some degree for good reason but i think that that's that's problematic but yes mostly i'm gonna curse the movie run hide fight which is 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 a, a the premise our, our friend kevin mccurry did a review of this movie and he 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 taught, described it as Die Hard meets Columbine, which, you know, oh, it's yeah. it's, you know, it's a it's a teen it's a teenage girl, you know, fighting off a school shooter in a, a high school. And, you know, there are ways that you could have done that movie, uh, I think, well, you could have done it in a gritty way that ta- shows about like the terror of being in a situation like that. But the heroism that can come in a situation like that, even um, um, th- this movie did not do that. Uh, it's it's it tried to be important and act like it had something to say, but it was very very bombastic Hollywood shallow umness. What was the end message of the movie that if, if she it, had it, been it on... kind of just glorify glorify the heroes, not the villains, sort of. But it also like it glorified sort of vengeance against the villains, and it just it it did kind of just glorify that kind of violence that we're talking about. Um, and not also, and the fact that you, again, a teenage girl can probably like beat off a bunch of school shooters, you know, because she was sort of trained by her dad. Again, it's, it's, it's taking a real world situation people are really struggling with and kind of making it shallow Hollywood while pretending it's not. Um, and of course people are getting mad at me, some of our fans, because they're like, because it's, it's made by the conservative daily wire. And it's like, oh, you're being anti-conservative, but I reviewed one of their movies well shut in on religion unplugged you can read <laughs> so he, he was it, fair it's a, i i liked one of their movies and i didn't like the other so it's not about that it's about it not being a good movie <laughs> so anyway. keep your messages to yourself yes exactly messages about other things but not about that uh, yes. so, anyway. so yeah that's that is uh my blesses and curses nice this was a, an interesting and difficult episode, and I don't know that we came to a lot of conclusions, but hopefully someone got something out of it. Hopefully we have helped you start your own process of thinking deeply about this issue or deeper than you did before. That's the hope, yeah. Yeah, so cool. Well, if people do like our conversation, hate our conversation, want to get in touch with us or want to get in touch with you to continue this conversation uh, or other conversations, Nathan, where can they go? Go to theoverthinkersjournal.com and go to our private Facebook group, The Overthinkers, on Facebook. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. I also write briefly about this in my book I mentioned earlier called Good Man, Hmm. um, about men and toxic masculinity and positive masculinity and violence and anger and um, uh, mental health. So if you want to check that out and hear some, a little more of my thoughts, more um, organized and put into book form, <laughs> uh, then check out Good Man. It's my book. It's available anywhere books are sold. Fantastic. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at josephholmstudios.com. You can also find me on any of the socials. And of course, you can find my continuing uh, my continuing uh, cultural commentary at uh, religionunplugged.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.